0: Good morning and welcome to Freelance Mum. We've got a fantastic podcast for you this morning. Before we get started with that, I just wanted to remind you that if you want to come and try Freelance Mum for free for 30 days, please do do that. You can come and join us in the mothership, in the hubs or on one of our coffee mornings. Just check out FreelanceMum.k.uk. But let's get started this morning. I'm joined by Robin Waite. I've had a chat with him only last week and he is amazing. I'm slightly addicted to him. He's like my new favourite bar of chocolate. I know you're going to love him as well. (laughs) and he's from Fearless Business and he's going to be joining us today talking about charging with confidence when it comes to products and services so first of all Robin thank you so very much for joining me this morning it's
1: a pleasure fate I've never been compared to a bar of chocolate I don't know what kind of (laughs) chocolate I'd be maybe I, I love Maltesers maybe I'd be a Malteser
0: we look very, very Moorish. That's what I'm trying to say. You can get addicted and like addicted. Oh, I could do with a little bit more, actually. Do you mind if I go back for a bit more? That's all, or dare I? Yes. So, so that you're definitely like my favorite. It's a dark chocolate. That's what it is, Robin, if that happens. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think that charging um, with confidence, um, especially when it comes to small business owners, is something that we we are so rubbish at. We are very good at sort of putting something out there, pulling a slight wincy face and then thinking, I hope nobody noticed. And is that okay? How can we charge with confidence? And how do we get to the point where we know that something is the right price anyway, Robin?
1: Well, it's interesting because whenever I talk to people about this, business owners about this, they they all know that they need to charge more for their current Mm. sort of products or services, which they're selling. So, and the, the most common things I hit, you know, I, I see are that, um, especially in the service sector, like you've got these amazing people who are brilliant at what they do, they get great results for their clients, yet they're kind of booked out like all hours under the sun, working to grow their business. And then they're kind of scratching their head at the end of the month going, well, where's the reward? Where's all the money that I should have earned through, you know, doing this, you know, everybody gets very excited about running a business and the freedom and the lifestyle and this, that, and it's like, where's the money? Um, and what it comes down to is that there's there's basic economics in business, which we can obviously talk about but one of the foundations um around confidently sort of charging your worth is actually based on the money blueprint which you would have essentially inherited from your parents between the ages of about 4 to 7 years old. Mm-hmm. So what what's and this will be very familiar to a lot of people and there's nothing right or wrong with this our parents were there to protect us and to try and educate us as best as they possibly could and Um, uh, sometimes however it does backfire and what many of us will have grown up and this is me included as well, I've had to do a lot of work to unprogram a lot of this you'll have heard things like money doesn't grow on trees Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil, Um, that's massively misquoted quite often by people because it's the love of money, it's not money which is the evil thing, it's the love of money which is the root of all evil Um, uh, you can't have those new trainers because they're too expensive, we can't go on holiday this year because we can't afford it so we'll we'll have heard all of this stuff Um, You know, going round and round and round as children, which between the ages of four and seven, we believe like we still believe in Santa between the ages of four and seven and the tooth fairy. And we believe what our parents tell us. Mm. And that that gets stuck. Um, And it's not particularly helpful then when we become adults, especially running businesses, because we're then not comfortable with um, conversations about money. When somebody asks us how much does it cost, we kind of you know retreat like Gollum with our ring, you know. Oh
0: my precious!
1: <laughs> we don't want to talk about it. And certainly, like so, what we end up doing is we choose things which are very safe and very much within our comfort zone. So it's much easier to sell something for say fifty pounds an hour than it and that might take a hundred hours than it is to tell somebody this is going to cost you five thousand pounds. Right. So because we're afraid of the big numbers, this it's, it's expensive, it's big, you know, it's it's uh, too bold for me. So, um, uh, you know, even even stuff which we don't talk about. So and I'd invite everybody when they're kind of out and about and like Christmas is a great time for this because we're going to be going out Christmas shopping right, and thinking about spending money in our budgets for Christmas and presents for the kids and stuff like that. But even even casual observations that people make. So. We're very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. My dream car, right, was always a Range Rover, um, an autobiography. And um, because because my wife works hard, I work hard. My wife had a, a company car. And we, we had a Land Rover Discovery, which she got through work, which is a brilliant car, but it broke. So we got given my dream car, which is an autobiography, to drive around in whilst it's being repaired. And it is remarkable, the mixture of comments, which I get back, when people see me driving it from the parents at school, my like work colleagues and associates and things like that to the, from the, wow, gosh, you're so lucky to the, oh my gosh, that's grotesque. How can you do that to the environment? So there's judgment. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's just a car. And it's, it's the same with money. Okay. And these capitalistic things, but what you need to do, my invitation to everybody is to, just when you're walking around this Christmas and looking at things, listen to your voice up here, the, the things that you're saying to yourself. And if if you notice when your your self-talk around money and things is if it's negative, if it includes words like it's too expensive, I don't deserve it, that's grotesque, that's ugly, you know, and those sorts of things, you have a very, this is a generalization, but you have a very negative association with money which means that not only are you going to struggle to articulate the value if you run a business of your products and services um but you're also not going to be very accepting of money you're not going to be very abundant so when somebody tries to give you money you'll almost be pushing it away and and now this will start to make sense and you're scratching your head going why am i not making the money which like i deserve you'll be now putting two and two together and kind of getting it Um, There's a there's a fantastic person actually based in Cheltenham as well called Fanny Snaith, who kind of was she's my hero when it comes to like money coaching and and that side of things. And she's helped me get on the sort of the wealth building train. But when it comes down to like um, small businesses, yeah, we've got to overcome a lot of that reprogram a lot of that poor money blueprint before we can then step into being much more abundant and actually confidently charging what we're worth.
0: And there's something about all of that. I was listening to this, Robin, and you were talking about the four and seven. I was thinking, I remember in my house, I don't mind sharing, we lived under the threat of my dad being made redundant, like a lot of families did in the 80s for whatever reason. And so I was always in this, oh, we, we just can't afford it. I'm sorry, I remember going to the school, Faye, and my parents opening their purse and saying, we just can't afford it, Faye. And we just lived under this constant threat of, your dad might lose his job. And, you know, guess what he did? In the, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But as a child, yeah. that was the house I, I grew up with. The other side of that is I think there's something about, um, there's, it's a bit grotesque, isn't it? Money, you know, um, it's not. It's no one wants to be seen to be vain around money, and also I think we like to be kind, and we yeah. like to be generous, and we like to help people, but we struggle then actually attaching a worth to it or accepting payment for something that we naturally want to do. I naturally want to help people all day. That's just what I want to do. I, I have to sit on my hands to try and stop myself because I just na- if there's a problem. I just want to help and, and, and I can't, there's only so much of you that you yeah. can do. So how do we overcome that hurdle from realizing, okay, it's money isn't completely grotesque. We do need it. Um, we definitely need money, we do recognize that, to then being able to confidently charge more for our product or service.
1: So think about it this way. Okay. Imagine like so a lot of people are selling time for money. Most most small business owners are some offer some kind of a service, but and, and this this is probably a bit of a, hopefully this is, we'll keep this positive, but imagine imagine you had one hour left of your life and somebody said, you've got to sell that hour of, of your time. How much would you charge for it? How much would it be worth to you?
0: Gosh, well, it would be a whole lot more than £15, pounds, that's for sure. Infinite.
1: In fact, most yeah. people wouldn't sell that last hour of their time. They'd use it yeah. to do something special with. So why do we treat all of the other hours of our life like some kind of cheap commodity, that we're not precious over, that we're going to sell cheap and not get much back out of it, right? Every hour of our life is super important. Um, and I think we need to, like, you just need to value that more. The second thing as well is like that desire to help people, natural human instinct is like perfectly normal. And it's, and it's a really wonderful thing. Mm. But the reality is, again, if you're if you're not charging enough, and you're only earning 10 grand a year, say, right? And some people will earn slightly less than that, some people slightly more than that. But if you're only earning 10 grand a year, you, you don't really have the means to be able to give back. Mm. like because you can't afford the time that money's going to get eaten up very quickly um and what can what can, if you can only you know give a 100 pound a month for example to charity like it, there's just not much impact you can make with that
0: mm.
1: however if on the flip side of that you put off giving back for a couple of years and get your business to a shape where it's earning a 100 grand a year mm. now you can give 10 or a 100 times more back to your community, to charities, to good for goodwill, to yourself even, um, than you could do if you're earning ten grand. So, actually, sometimes it's a good it's a good thing to put push the pause button on the helping people, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, grow a sustainable business which has got good healthy revenues coming in, so that you can then give back much much more just through a year or two's worth of hard graft. And um, I also liken it to the the whole sort of the doctor. Uh, surgeon analogy right you've got imagine like for me for example as a business coach I have business coach, uh, business clients who are um, that they have bleeding necks they have the they're, they're struggling financially with their time with their energy with running a fat, busy family especially like the mums which you help as well Faye um, in in the, in the mothership um, and they're coming to me saying they can't afford coaching and I'm there saying well but you have this bleeding neck it's sometimes you have to actually make that an investment first to be able to then like get that bleeding neck stitched up and away you go and but the challenge is if I'm imagine I'm really passive and I just I kind of just go do you know what just because you can't afford it no I'm not going to help you and I'm sending people back out to the street with their bleeding necks actually the right thing to do as a doctor is we're going to get you into the operating theater table anesthetize you stitch it up and then we're going to figure out what caused that bleeding neck in the first place so you have to add value up front to be able to then recoup it on on the back end now that's not charity that's not giving that's just building relationships Mm. um and if you know your numbers if i know that um if i tried to help a thousand phase no chance i can't do that i'm not superhuman we're not you know we just can't do that but if i know my numbers and i know that 10 percent of my time is put into helping 10 phase you know each year Mm. Some of those phase are going to convert into clients you know mm-hmm. then it, it it kind of makes sense it's manageable it's within your within the realms of possibility mm-hmm. and then as the business grows you can help more people help more people help more people it's like compounding interest but for mm-hmm. goodwill
0: that's brilliant I love I love all that you've said as well about actually you're wanting to help you wanting to give more how about you're gonna do that but let's do a, a bit further down the line help others more by helping yourself um what about the fear that many people will have about alienating your existing audience your existing clients if you're are we talking about you know one day you're selling paintings at 15 pounds and the next day you're selling them at 50 pounds you know you don't want to lose what existing small but very loyal client base you have how do you make those leaps are they overnight okay what the hey? if you lose them they weren't the right ones for you anyway or do you uh do you gently do it?
1: Uh, So it's about stimulating demand, right? So most people end up um, charging too little because they think that that's a way to stimulate demand for their products, okay? So it's like, we'll put some discounts or low-priced offers out there in order to attract more people to buy, Supply and demand is like a seesaw, okay. So, as as supply increases, actually what happens is demand increases as demand increases, supply increases because there's only a certain amount of capacity for something. If you say to the world it's super cheap and I've got loads of it, all of a sudden nobody wants it, right? Because there's just too much of it, and so actually it creates less less of a desire for it. So, you know, if if um if all that Banksy did, speaking of paintings, if all that Banksy did was churn out artwork after artwork after artwork after artwork and he didn't focus on pr and and raising intrinsic value that people see in his artwork it it would actually be worthless but because he does so few big pieces one-off pieces and there is such a strong cause behind what what he does all of a sudden they're worth that much more um and you know, I've, I've, I've actually, funny enough, I've worked with um, a local artist um, and, you know, she was selling, struggling to sell paintings for like 100 quid, um, going to art fairs and things like that was costing her money, trying to get into galleries and they would take 50% commission and all sorts of things like that. And so what we did is we, we looked at ways that rather than how do we increase the price of it, how do we stimulate demand? So that it outstrips the number of paintings she's doing. So, Mm. we and we did that through two ways. One, one she documented the process of doing the art. So we did time lapses of her actually doing the paintings. Um, The second thing was we actually pulled her out of a lot of the galleries that she was in because she was everywhere. Just too much, too many paintings. Mm. Like she wasn't a scarce resource as an artist. So we documented the process. We reduced the amount of supply into the marketplace. Um, And the second, the third thing which we did was we actually. created a like a try before you buy type thing mm. so she had some some pieces like stock pieces which she'd created which she would loan to somebody who was interested in her artwork and they would hang it on their wall in their living room wow. for 30 days and then they go like then she'd go, go around to collect it and now they've got an empty space there yeah. so immediately they were like oh can we have it okay okay the fourth thing which we did as well is like we we wanted to and this is where we start to get into the productization piece now and this this is where we can have quite a lot of fun actually so we knew how many pieces of artwork she needed to sell each year to make a good living out of this and then it's also one of the things she wanted to do was to teach other people like how how to paint using her style and um uh now, most people when we got the price up to sort of the fifteen hundred pound mark three grand mark for her for her artwork, they can't like the people who she wanted to sell it to couldn't afford that mm-hmm. now. nobody associated artwork with payment plans <laughs> so most people associate it with we'll go to an auction we'll put in a ten grand bid for it, and then we have to pay for it plus the the bid mm-hmm. you know the organization the bidding fees afterwards. But what we did is the so the fourth thing we did was we just reduced friction. We didn't devalue the artwork by selling it mm. cheap to make it more affordable. We said, no, the pieces of art are worth three grand, but you can pay for that over 12 months if you want to. Mm. And straight away her conversion rate went up, you know, it's a fact by a factor of three for her artwork. Because mm. people are like, ah, oh, so I can kind of lease it and then at the end of it I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's where people get a bit um lost with pricing their products because they they focus on the upfront fee but actually you just get creative about how people pay for it without Mm. devaluing it
0: i love the idea of lending out your artwork putting it on the wall looking at it falling in love with it you know, loving it in your home and then that wall being empty again. That's a brilliant try before you buy, isn't it? Yeah. And right. as you say, you're just quite simply tweaking the way that we think about money. People are used to buying, you know, cars or big expensive items in part payment or whatever. Um, why not apply that to another product, a piece of art? That's that's excellent. <laughs>
1: you asked me as well about what you do about existing clients by, in mm-hmm. terms of putting their prices up. Okay. So here's, here's some, some stats for you. I'm going to rattle off a load of numbers and hopefully this makes sense to everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I ran a marketing agency for 12 years um, before I started up the coaching practice. And within that agency, we used to do web design and branding. And um, at the time our, our, we had like a, so our websites were like our core products. So we'd sell those for anywhere between a thousand and five thousand pounds, for example. And then we had our, our support, um website hosting and support which came after that and round about the the financial crisis in 2008 we're only charging 10 pound a month for our, our support and care plans and again we're kind of doing all of this support and i'm thinking we're just not making enough money out of this economically it just didn't work for our mm-hmm. business especially if we wanted to grow it and we we'd only been in business for uh, four years by this point so i was still learning a lot about what i know now about pricing and just testing stuff out and um, so I had a conversation with my business partner. I was like, we need to put the price up. This, is, this isn't working for us. It's not, this is just too slow. I want faster growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was like, well, let's, like 10 or 20%. And even then that feels like a lot. And I was like, no, no, no. I, I think we need to 5X our prices. I think we need to go minimum from 10 pound up to, we need to be 50 pound a month for our care plans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, the international side of distress went out. No, oh, no, nobody will pay that. We can possibly do that. All of our clients will leave and stuff like that. I was like, listen, I think we've got a really low, so I had to, PR exercise like we've got a loyal bunch of clients here I said some will leave yes but I think if we 5x our prices enough will stay that it will be worth our while so here's here's the numbers here's the stats right so we 5x our prices we gave forewarned everybody so that's the first piece you, do, you, you give people advance notice and you say as of 1st of Jan our prices are going up to this and you might want to bump them onto a call and maybe explain why you're putting the prices up and things like that. Never feel like you have to justify your prices, okay? If a, if a client like doesn't get the value, fine. Just let them go elsewhere. They can go and buy you know, WordPress hosting for free from somewhere. It's like, cool, go, go and do that. But if you want to work with us, it's 50 pound a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the stats. So we had 120 clients at the time. Um, when we put the price up, a third of them left, <gasps> disaster. But here, on the flip side of that, our revenues for hosting went up by two and a half times instantly, wow. right? And here's the crux. We didn't predict this one, but our support calls dropped by 80%, <sighs> right? So the third of the clients, the 30% of the clients who left took most of their bitching, whining, and moaning with them and all of their problems <laughs> when they're not they're not getting, they just didn't get the value that we were delivering and they wanted the moon on a stick for a tenner a month, right? <laughs> yeah. And then we tell them it's £50 a month and they think we're the ones taking the biscuit, right? So... Um, So our support calls dropped by 80%, which then on the flip side of that increased our productivity to be able to deliver better, like better quality product, more websites, better quality support. And so there was this like virtuous cycle, which we created by putting our prices up and knowing what our worth was.
0: Now, you saying that story is brilliant, Robin, and it reminds me, talking now with my voiceover hat on, and I'm sure that there's lots of freelance mums who will be watching this or small business owners and will relate to this. We've all had moments where you've taken on a client and you think, I'm instinctively picking up on something here on the email. I haven't met the person, but I'm instinctively picking up on something on this email. I don't quite know why I'm saying yes, but I'm saying yes. They've already asked for it at a lower rate. I've said yes again. And you just know that that client is going to bite you on the bottom. You know that that one will be five rounds of amends. It was a a, a rewritten script. And at the end of it, you're like, oh, why did I do it? You're so cross with yourself Um, for for going against what you instinctively knew when they were already asking for a dirt cheap price. And they're the ones that go back for five extra rounds of amends or whatever. So, yeah.
1: Can I offer a bit of tough love here, Faye?
0: Yes, do not oh, just for dude. you. Not not. This isn't directly,
1: <laughs> directly at you, Faye. But this is so. It's, it's such a common thing for people to take on clients that they they spot the red flags. They either from their heart or their head, the red flags pop up, and they take clients on. Now we all know why they do it. I'm not saying anything which is like outrageous or untrue. Mm-hmm. We take clients on because we need the money. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need, we've got mortgages to pay. We've got families to feed. Uh, we've got you know other bills to pay and things like that. And to, and, and everybody says uh, to grow a business, you need to take on clients, right? It's called marketing and sales. Okay. Um, the reality is though, like if, if you're taking on clients just to put, pay your mortgage and put food on your table, who is this about? <laughs> it's all about you, right? It's yeah. all about they. Whereas actually, if you listen to another truth, which the the gurus and the experts tell you is who is, who is the most important person in your business? Your clients, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and if 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 you put 100 emphasis on that, that the client is the most important person in your business, mm-hmm. and you look at them and go, "Hey, I'm I'm great at fixing bleeding necks, but they've got a tumor on their knee. I'm not the knee guy. Like, why <laughs> would you take them on? Okay. So yes. what we have to—that's a really terrible analogy. And I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> so the so actually, like what I would say here is like I would rather be poor, homeless, and destitute then take on clients who aren't a good fit for my business. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't want their money because if I can't get them the best result and we can't make this a fun and happy relationship, like through that journey, Mm -hmm. like all that ends up happening is you get resentful, they get resentful. They kind of end up with a product. They're not going to be out there like being a raving fan shouting Mm -hmm. about how amazing you are leaving five-star reviews and things like that. So I just invite people to look at the motivation behind why they're taking clients on and saying yes to clients. Mm-hmm. If you assume a position of leadership throughout that sales process and you ascertain that either one, I'm not charging enough and we can talk about how we organize those products so it makes a bit more mm-hmm. sense. Um, if, if we're not charging enough or if maybe they're just not a good fit for our client or maybe we just think that we're just not going to love working with them. Mm-hmm. We should assume leadership and say, do you not know no, this isn't for me? And be okay with that and mm-hmm. walk away. Now, what we've done is one, we've got rid of that pain in the ass client, mm-hmm. excuse the language, right? <laughs> because now they're off our plate. The second thing, again, this is most people don't think about second and third order consequences to this. They only think about the immediate one is I've lost this client and the revenue. Second order consequences, I've now got time and space for the perfect client. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that to me sounds much, much better. Okay. So we've got to get comfortable with no no is a really important word but the fears which hang around around this is um fear of letting people down fear of not finishing what we started fear of failure fear of looking like a for want of a better word like a dick Mm -hmm. all of those things right we just don't want to look bad we don't want to let people down and it's again natural human instinct but we run our business with this not this that's the most Mm -hmm. important thing um and then then you end up with a business full of clients who are like your ideal client. The other thing which I would say as well is, again, this is um, uh, this lets, unfortunately, this lets a lot of people down. Is they take on clients, realize it wasn't a good fit because we can't get it right every time. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so sometimes you do end up with clients who seemed ideal but ended up not being. Again, whenever I take on a client in Fearless Business and it's just not working, they're just either a not fit, for, a good fit for the community or the program. They're just not getting the results. Mm-hmm. I take responsibility for that. And I say, here's your money back. I'm sorry, this didn't work out. But I I think we should probably go our separate ways. Mm. That conversation is dead awkward for about five minutes. And then afterwards, I get an email saying, thank you, Robin, that was a really kind thing for you to do for me. Mm. Yep. And so we can let clients go partway through the process as well. But the key thing is two different types of clients, we've got existing clients, we've gone through that new clients provide the greatest opportunity because they don't know, they're not anchored to your prices. Mm-hmm. They don't know what value you deliver, what your processes are or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the final thing, which I'll say on this as well is what might have happened is Faye, you might've had, let's say for example, you had a bronze, silver, gold package. Okay. Mm-hmm. With this client, mm-hmm. you probably in your heart of hearts are thinking this client needs to have my silver package. Mm-hmm. And they turn around and go, oh, Faye, but I can't afford your silver package. Can't I just have the bronze package? And you reluctantly sell them the bronze package, knowing that really they're going to be a silver client and need a bit of extra work, mm. okay? So straight away, again, assume that position of leadership and you have to say, no, the bronze package is not, it's not what you need. It's not going to get what? you the outcome or result you want. So I need to insist that you buy the silver package. That's going to get you the best result or outcome. It's going to keep me happy too. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic, Robin, because throughout all of that analogy, I was thinking i I love what you're saying, I hear what you're saying about actually work with the right person, but let's face it, you know the work hasn't exactly been knocking at the door all this last year, so sometimes when a client comes along, you can tell that they're, they're gonna be a bit tricky, but actually the way to reposition that you you might not want to turn them away, but the better way is to own it and to say actually. I can see that this is going to be the best product for you and yeah. the best way of us working together is by me giving you the silver package and let's let's do it like this so you yeah. don't actually have to turn that work away if it is a bit scarce at the moment but let's just own it a bit more
1: yeah and the other thing so this is where we get into the realms of things like guarantees as well so we can say listen if you, if you don't feel you get value for money around this having have having had the silver package. We can have a grown-up conversation about that further down the line, but all of my clients who've had the silver package are massively, they're happy with it. You know, We've got like a 95% success rate with the silver package. Second thing you can do is you can then get into things which reduce friction, a bit like the artist earlier on. You can say, well, listen, you may not be able to pay three grand up front, but how about we put split that out over five installments? Would that make it more affordable for you? And so now all of a sudden they could go, okay, so now it's not about the money and affordability, it's about product service or product client fit, basically.
0: And what about in terms of actually then working out how what your price is anyway? Let's just say we've mentally, we've we've overcome it all, Robin. You know, we've got to the end of this podcast. We've read your book. We've done your course. We think you're epic and we are down with it. But how do we actually then pick that price? Do we, you know, do we say, I'd quite like to earn this figure and work backwards? And what about people like me who actually talking numbers I'm sorry if this upsets you, and it doesn't ever really make me very excited. If you talk about experiences, then it does. But actually, in terms of I want to earn X, has never been something that gets me terribly excited, if I'm absolutely honest.
1: Yeah, well, so don't come at it from a, let's let's set goals that just don't float on boat, because that's Mm -hmm. what, again, what a lot of the gurus and experts do, okay? However, goals are quite informative, because they tell us, like, and if it's a boring word. Economically, is our is our business model, our business idea sound? Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, Faye, if you wanted to earn, I don't know, 100,000 pounds a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're the average price of a voiceover, for example, is a thousand pounds, say, mm-hmm. we take that that financial goal, divide it by the price of your product, and that then gives us an idea about. Is our capacity ran about the right price point? So, Faye, if I told you, so we've got a hundred thousand pounds, we, we sell this product for a thousand pounds, could you do a th- hundred voiceovers next year?
0: Yeah, yes, I could.
1: Okay, within reason. Yeah. So, actually, yeah. but would that would would you be full to the brim, bursting? Would you have any extra capacity? What if somebody came along and wanted something more? Wh- where does that leave you?
0: Oh, that's interesting. It depends depend on the nature of the voiceover, really. You know, if it was a five minute job that just happened. Well, the to the
1: D word is a swear word. So you've got to put £10 in the swear kitty. So we, we work on averages. Okay. So okay. it's like we make it, we don't do it depends. Okay. Okay. So, on, carry on. That was
0: a swear word, was it? It yeah. depends. It depends. Okay. Swear
1: word. Yeah. Um, we work um, on specifics.
0: All right. I like that. Thank you. That <laughs> puts that in the kitty. Um, I think I could probably do that. Yes.
1: Okay. So, but would it be a struggle? Could you get 100 clients?
0: Oh, right. Getting the 100 clients would be difficult. Yeah. Okay. If they so had many, in my lap, that would be different, Robin.
1: Yeah. So how many do you think you could get? How many would you love to work with next year in an ideal world?
0: Frikey. Oh, oh, gosh, you put me on the spot. Um. Well, I'd love to, in an ideal world, work with at least 30 different clients. That would be amazing. Clients. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now if we go back to the original calculation, now what we do is we take 100K and we divide it by 30 instead. Now, mm-hmm. what that tells us is that, on average each client needs to be paying you somewhere in the region of three to three and a half thousand pounds
0: right yes
1: okay. do you have a three thousand pound product Faye
0: not at the moment no
1: no okay so talk me through how you currently charge
0: right okay so it's different with voiceover in the respect that you're going to be charging for your time and usage so it, my favorite. Could, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it is different um and one of the first things I learned quite early on in voiceover, which I'm pleased about, is when people would say, oh, you know, how much is this? To ask back, oh, well, it's a bit like how long is a piece of string?
1: You just what... said it depends again, then, but differently. So, oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Damn it. Oh, <laughs> God! And by sucks. saying everything,
1: like, it's different. My business is different to all the other businesses out there. That's also a swear word. So three okay. times now, Faye, you're in. Uh,
0: yeah. But... <laughs> It depends and it's different and I'm different in the respect <laughs> that if somebody asks for your product and in perpetuity, I can't say it, the word, but, you know, so they own it outright and they also want to put it on um, every single TV station, every single radio station and perpetuity, that's what I'm trying to yeah. say there, somewhat ironically for a voiceover artist, uh, that that is a different price to... Actually, I would just like this and I'd just like to put it on my website. And they, they yeah, are yeah. two different prices. So it is important absolutely uh, so you've got two products. You yeah. got,
1: you've got you got a let's just put something on our website product yeah. and we've got a more more what well, I don't know what you call that product. What's the other product?
0: Well, it'd be in perpetuity. So they could use it for everything for the whole okay. of their life, you so know. Just like, so
1: just the website product. That's our basic entry level, that's our silver yeah. package, and our gold package is in perpetuity. And probably we've got a platinum package somewhere out there as well. Okay. Yeah. Now you're starting to get a picture. So we've got three core products, three mm-hmm. to five core products. And this is where Pareto, you know, Pareto eighty twenty comes into yeah. this, okay? Of the clients you've already worked with, 80% of them will have had a similar product,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay? yeah, And that becomes your, like, your middle package, your core product, okay? And there will be a lot of, it depends, and a bit of customization, this, and a bit of bespoke mm-hmm. that, right? I get that. But that's when you say, actually, my, you know, our silver package is not right for you. You need to have the gold package, which includes, it depends on a bit of customer bespoke this and that. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk about the basic sort of web package. Okay. So how many hours does it take to like, you know, on average, how many hours would it take to do a voiceover for just a website? Um,
0: It wouldn't, it depends on how, it depends. <laughs> um, <laughs> on, a, average, okay, on average, I'm, I'm 10 hours, say- 20 hours. It wouldn't necessarily take that long at all um okay, it, okay. I'm, I'm gonna say something i'm good and i do things quickly and i don't actually like people to know how quick i am at doing things um because that would upset some people and i think that some people would then question the worth and so that's that can be if you know in a session that can sometimes be like, do I give you a few more false starts? Okay, I know- Faye, here's an
1: insight. Here's an insight yeah. for you. Okay. So what you just said there was it, it, that sentence you used included a lot of I and me, and it's all yep. about Faye. And I don't yep. mean that in a negative way. No, this no, is no, about no. awareness. Um, what you've inadvertently done is you've just made a choice, a decision on behalf of all of your potential clients. Mm-hmm. You're assuming that they all think that they don't. Yeah. They think Faye's amazing. She gives great value for money. I don't care how long it takes. It takes 10 minutes. If it takes 10 days, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. What we want is an output, an outcome or a result. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but let's go, let's go back. So on average, what? so if we talk on the basis of like 10 hours,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: What's your hourly rate?
0: Oh, Robin. Um, I'm only saying Robin because I want to begin a sentence with it depends. Um <laughs> Oh, I've got now I'm quite. I'm going to chip in here. I've got a, co- a comment from a chap called Eddie. Eddie, you're ch- he's tops, um, a producer as well. And thank you very much for your k- Christmas gift this year, Eddie. He said, I'm on your side, Faye. There is no average in the voiceover world. Hashtag depends. It is a slightly different and niche product. Um, and yeah,
1: bear with us, Eddie. Bear with okay. us. There is a okay. point to this this trainer conversation. Okay. okay, so I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to do it through a bit of if, if okay. Faye's game. I'm going to coach Faye through this. And hopefully, in doing so, Eddie, you see my point okay because we're going to get onto the pricing side of things which gives you much more flexibility okay Okay, so so go with me Faye so what is your hourly rate
0: um let's say 200 pounds an hour
1: 200 pounds an hour so times by 10 hours for a small for a website voiceover
0: it's slightly see it's slightly different because I wouldn't expect to do for it to be 10 hours for a a website voiceover it could be how many
1: how many hours are we talking then
0: might just be one hour
1: okay that feels cheap 200 pounds for a website voiceover feels a bit cheap
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: okay Agree. um what what is the end result of me having a voiceover on my website going to achieve my business
0: well it's bringing the, it's bringing your brand to life it's conveying your message um it's engaging your customers and it's improving your business ultimately okay
1: so imagine that we add a voiceover onto my website for whatever reason, and um, it generates an extra three clients. Say for me next yeah. year, right? So yeah. that's fifteen grand's worth of business. You know what my prices are for the coaching package, yeah. right? So rough, roughly five k. Okay, so two hundred pounds in, fifteen grand out. Feels very much out of kilter.
0: Yeah,
1: because what you've done is produced. You've given me great results, great a great return on investment. Okay, mm-hmm. and actually, whether it takes you. 10 minutes, an hour, 10 hours. I don't care. What I'm interested in is getting that voiceover, which is going to get me an ROI. Okay. Mm -hmm. So would you agree that actually maybe just for that voiceover, it's just for a website, 200 pounds is actually a little bit on the cheap side.
0: Agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But maybe 2000 pounds. That's what I was trying to get at. 2000 pounds is too expensive. Maybe that Mm -hmm. is beyond the realms of your level of comfort right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So play with me. In the industry, I would say as well.
1: Forget about everybody else. This is about economically okay. creating a business and the life's, life for yourself. Okay? OK, so, you know, what What? imagine if you were comparing yourself to everybody else in the marketplace and they've all decided that in order to get clients, they're going to be cheap as chips and they're all struggling. Why would you copy a business model that is flawed? Mm. Right, you have to design a business model that works for your business, okay? Mm -hmm. Which means you get to choose what you charge within the realms of possibility. Mm -hmm. If you charge a million pounds for a voiceover, there probably is somebody out there, like famous actors, Ryan Mm -hmm. Reynolds, probably charges Mint Mobile a million pounds to do a voiceover Mm -hmm. or to do an ad on YouTube, right? So there's bandwidth between Mm -hmm. where we're at and where beyond the realms of possibility. But at the moment, your bandwidth is 200 pounds to 2,000 pounds. Kind of cheap, kind of expensive, okay? What we're going to do is if we agree that you want to increase your price a little bit for just that basic like Mm -hmm. bronze package for the websites. okay? Mm. we're going to do a little auction. Are you game? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'm gradually going to increment the price and there will be be a price which is just inside and just outside your comfort zone. You don't have to say anything. Yeah. I'm going to know when we've reached your level of comfort. Okay, Okay? so 300 pounds, 400 pounds, 500 pounds, 600 pounds. There we go. I'd see it's, it's like poker, <laughs> poker
0: that was brilliant that so was brilliant
1: your um you were just inside your comfort zone at 500 pounds you were just outside your level of comfort at 600 pounds now what i would do is i would invite mm-hmm. you so your minimum level of engagement with a client on your bronze package now is at least 600 pounds okay it's not 2,000, it's not like way outside there, but we knew that we were too cheap before. Yeah. What, what I've inadvertently done is I've just tripled your prices without you realizing it, okay? Yeah. Now this is, that's easy. In theory, I get it, it's easy, okay? So, but now what we've got to do is we've got to go out. So we've created an assumption that there is a marketplace out there of people who will spend 600 pounds to have a voiceover done for their website. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. So it's just an assumption. Your job, Faye, now, from this point forward, is to either prove or disprove my theory that you Mm -hmm. can sell this package for £600. How we're going to do that is the next 10 people who come along who are ideal for that bronze package, you're going to pitch them exactly Mm -hmm. what you pitched them before. Now you can add in probably a couple of bells and whistles because it's a bit more expensive, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, But you're going to pitch the next 10 people at £600. It's your minimum level of engagement.
0: Robin, I like that, and I promise you I'm going to do that yeah and, and i mean it i mean it
1: and eddie now you're probably watching this going okay but uh, and he's probably a bit confused right now i'm thinking and i'm glad face sat, sat there and said yes i'm going to do that great we've got the commitment so i've just a bit of background so i've used this process over the last five years on 250 business owners it has not failed mm. it Has not failed to for somebody to sell something at the price we agree on through that experiment okay A good conversion rate, Faye, for a service based business is somewhere between one in five to one in three. Let's round those numbers, call it 20% to 40%. -hmm. Okay. So out of those 10 people who you're pitching to, probably somewhere between two, three, and four of them are going to say yes. Mm -hmm. Now, it might be the last two, three, or four that you pitch to because you've got to go through the motions, get comfortable saying 600 pounds pitch it with confidence, learn Mm. how to articulate your value at 600 pounds. And it might mean the first six say no before you get your first yes. That's Mm. why you've got to commit to 10 to get the the data, the validation and the evidence. Mm. Okay, And the thing is, like, what happened? Let's say, for example, now um, that client you had some problems with, maybe they were a 200 pound client in your past life now Mm -hmm. Faye now in your new life they're 600 pounds if they came back and wanted a few edits and a couple of extra changes maybe a script editing would you not be a bit more amenable to doing it for 600 pounds yes
0: yes most definitely there's
1: no shadow of a doubt there Mm. there's no resentment built up you're just like yep my bronze package includes x number of revisions Mm. It includes a script rewrite if we, if we have to include that within it. So we can, so what happens is rather than doing like sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. Sell deliver oh, God, client's annoying, fucking frustrated, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. We sell something for a bit more money. It gives us more time to deliver a better quality product, which produces more money on the back end, which creates a happier client who leaves a review and refers you. Mm-hmm. And the whole cycle kind of slows down a bit. You get more time to deliver a better quality product. Yes. Everybody's happy.
0: I'm I'm reminded of um was it Stella whose strapline line was reassuringly expensive? Yes. You know, there's something about that, isn't there, that it is reassuringly expensive. And if people want to go out there and put themselves on Fiverr, that's also up to them.
1: Think John Lewis, right? Yeah. You go into a John Lewis, you don't even have to have bought the product from there. You can go into John Lewis with pretty much anything, a dustbin if you want to, and they'll give you a refund for it if you're not happy. They'll mm. find a way to give you a credit or your money back. Mm they are probably one of the most expensive like department stores out there. We all know that we know John Lewis is expensive, but they can afford to just do no quibble money back like on all of their products because mm-hmm. they're making enough profit and they're having a good enough time and a fun time doing it and they have beautiful stores and great, helpful staff and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we can, we should be modeling like small business owners should be modeling big, big business, big, successful businesses mm-hmm. in similar ways.
0: So you just did a really neat trick or game or what and tricks, the wrong word, I'm sure, Robin, you know, playing the auction with me. And that was brilliant. And I, I almost want to watch back my own reaction to it. it. Would you suggest that, OK, get your partner, get your friend to, to do that. 100%. Watch that, that, that point?
1: Yeah, you've got so that. So the stages are figure out what you're currently charging, especially if you're an yeah. hourly rate business, figure out what you're currently charging and just decide is that working for me is this am i making profit on this or is it a struggle or where am i at if mm. if the answer's like coming back quite negative you're probably too cheap then we work out the top end of the bandwidth that's just way out of the realms of like possibility right like now faye there is a there is a world out there somewhere in the future where that 200 pound product that we just raised the price to 600 is actually 2k mm. yeah Mm -hmm. because your profile is where you want it to be because you're getting in front of the clients that you love working with that you get great results for that you've niched down into a specific market etc etc there's there's a world in 12 months or two years or three years where you're charging 2k for that 200 pound product 10 Mm -hmm. times the price okay but the 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 thing is like if if you don't believe that you're never going to get there but you just as long as you're just like yeah okay i could see that there's a possibility you you will eventually get there and then yeah so we've got lower end of bandwidth top end of the bandwidth and then we just goes through the motion with that auction and everybody has like a poker face basically a tell mm-hmm. where they just give the game away so it's just simple body language you gave a bit of an audible like you le- you your eyes lit up you went mm. kind of a bit eh, kind of you know <laughs> and I don't mean that in a, in no, a no way, no. but it was it was a very audible like you yeah. know um signal that where, where we hit your level of comfort sometimes people will just be like you'll get, hit their level of comfort and they'll just like just raise their eyebrows or mm. they'll do a little smile or they'll kind of touch their face or something like that. So everybody's slightly different in terms of their mm. talent. Um, and then it's just making that commitment to that new price point. Mm.
0: Can I ask before we go, because Robin, you've been absolutely amazing and you've just shared and imparted so much and I can't thank you enough for that. Um, if anyone's watching it and thinking, okay, I'll get down with everything you're saying, Robin, I can understand that. I've, I've, I've understood. However, it still feels like a a huge leap from me here to me there where you're saying, and it can feel like a a really big, scary leap. Are there steps that you can make along the way to get from there to there mentally? I mean,
1: yeah. So, so again, like it might be that maybe trebling the price is too big a leap. I've had a lot of success with clients who just committed to the process and had great results, but sometimes people are, if the fear is too much, and it, mm-hmm. and it might be just like, do you know what? So I I've, I've had enough, I'm just going to go for it. And so there's no fear. If mm-hmm. the fear is quite high, then you probably want to just take little sort of stepping stones rather than kind of walking up and facing the cliff edge of mm-hmm. El Capitan. You kind of just build a staircase to get up to the top. So mm-hmm. it might be that right 600 actually right now is just too much. How about we do the next 10 people at 300 mm-hmm. and then the next 10 people at 400 and the next 10 people at 500. So we work up our way up to it gradually. Mm-hmm putting your prices up and this is the mistake most people make they one they might put their prices up once a year if that because hmm. of all of the fears that we talked about earlier on in the conversation and when they do they'll only put it up by 5 or 10% which at the moment is like no better than inflation actually hmm. if you only put your price up by 5% right now in 2022 like you're actually worse off your money's worth less you actually need to just be a little bit fearless with that price increase and go for 10 20 30% at least um but it's about, again, it's about being able to articulate the value, okay? So um, a, a, a very simple example, I'll stick with the web designer side of things, for example. So there's three people, three web designers, right? Steve comes along and he wants to charge you 50 bucks an hour for, it takes him 20 hours to build a website. So it's about a thousand pounds, say, to build a mm-hmm. website. So and Faye's like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. So Steve goes away, it takes him three months because he's got too many clients because he's too cheap. Uh, he doesn't really know what he's doing because he's only been doing it for six months. He builds a website. It's not got the blog or the shopping cart you wanted. He comes back three months later and you go, hang on, this isn't what I wanted. Mm. Right? So Steve says, oh, well, I'll add the blog and the shopping cart, but it's going to be another 10 hours and you've got to pay for it, Fair? Are you happy with that? You'd be like, no, because I thought mm. we agreed a £1,000, 20 hours. So that first of all, that that's a sign that hourly rates just don't work. Now, most mm. of us are ethical, moral, upstanding human beings. We wouldn't just bolt on the 10 hours and charge it to the client. But there's resentment. We're pissed off now, like your client. Mm. Uh, Dave comes along, right? Dave's Dave's been at the game for like 20 years. He's brilliant at what he does, but he doesn't know what Robin and Faye now knows about pricing. So he's still mm. charging £50 an hour, um, but it takes him 10 hours because he's great. And he comes back in three days with a fab website, looks great, gets great results, got a blog, got the shopping cart. But hang on, he's getting paid £500 to do something that Steve, who is rubbish at this, gets paid <laughs> £1,500 to do. Yeah. What that just doesn't make. So again, we can see hourly rates don't favor people who are experienced and deliver great results. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at you, Eddie, when I'm saying this as well. Right. Because you're good, Eddie. And if you're if you're getting like if you do stuff really quick, you should get paid treble the rate for being good at what you do because you're very experienced. The um, third person, so Trisha comes along, website ninja. Got her pricing nailed. Faye, she's going to create you a, a website that will generate you 10 to 15 solid leads every each and every month for your voiceover business. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's got everything you want. Looks brilliant. The works, right? Mm-hmm. So Eddie's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so tr- Trisha and she'll bring this website back to you within 30 days. If she's not getting 15 solid leads for your business each and every month within mm-hmm. the next 30 days, She'll refund you all of the money that you paid her. Plus, she's gonna pay you a thousand pounds for wasting your time. <laughs> Do you wanna go with Steve, Dave, or Trisha?
0: Quite like the sound of Tricia, if I'm honest. Yeah, okay. Ask yeah. me how much Tricia's websites are. How much is Trisha's websites, please, Robin? 10K. Oh, that's quite a lot.
1: It's quite a lot, but it comes with yeah. all of those guarantees, money back. Plus, she'll pay you for wasting your time if you don't get all of those leads coming through.
0: Crikey. That's, that's, that's a lot of money, but I'm more tempted.
1: Yeah. But if, if she's coming back and she's yeah. generating you two, well, we, we talked yeah. about 3K clients. Yeah, Imagine out of those 15 leads, you convert just three of them. You've pretty much made your money back. Mm. But with Steve and Dave's websites, well, Steve, uh, Dave, you're going to get slightly better results because he's good at what he does. But imagine with Dave, you could end up spending like, like finding five Daves and spending 10K because none of them get the results. So you're going to spend the money anyway on getting rubbish results Does mm. so that make sense it does yeah so sometimes it's better like avoid buy cheap buy twice look at what the person is offering talk to them about guarantees and what the ROI is going to be from that and mm. and use your head a little bit
0: Robin, thank you so much for today. You've been totally awesome. I feel like I've done a mental workout here as well. Um, it's been brilliant. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. If anyone wants to find out more about working with you, what can they do, Robin?
1: So yeah, best bet is um, the, I've got to do my weather girl impression now. The, the blue book over my shoulder, take your shot. Um, I'm it's a it's a Christmas gift to everybody because it's that time of year. Face, so I'm feeling generous. <laughs> but if you go to fearless.biz forward slash tys for take your shot, all lowercase. Um, you can go and request a copy of that book. I may even sign it for everybody and post it out. To the episodes, <laughs> uh, j- just because I'm feeling generous today.
0: I have to say, I've read the book. It's amazing. It talked to me all the way through. I feel like I'm doing a sales pitch now for Robin, and I'm not. Um, but well, I please do, I really sell away. <laughs> Yeah, please. honestly, Eddie, go and get you that book because I know you'll enjoy it, Eddie. And I, it was one of those ones that just ticked along and I read it really nicely. So Robin, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute joy speaking to you, even if you put me on the spot a few times. Um, and if you enjoyed it as well, or you've got any comments or questions, please pop them in the comments below. And don't forget, if you'd like to come and try out Freelance Mum for free for 30 days, please do so. And until then, have a great rest of the week. Thank you very much, Robin. Bye-bye. It's
1: my pleasure. And we should add, Eddie's already put his prices up, so... <laughs>